You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for February 4th, 2024, the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Elizabeth Garnsey. It's based on Mark, chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. In our Gospels, we usually hear a lot about the Pharisees and Sadducees, those authoritative groups who took issue with Jesus and his maverick ways of teaching and relating to the people. But the largest group in the population were the ordinary people who just tried their best to observe the Sabbath and their holidays and festivals. They adhered to their food laws and rituals as best they could, and they made pilgrimage to the temple. And yet they were still living in a form of exile. In spite of relative peace with Rome, they were still a people living under Roman occupation with its oppressive taxes and occasional physical abuses even by soldiers. All efforts at independence were unsuccessful, and their own leaders were often complicit with Rome, as Jesus' own trial and crucifixion would play out. The ultimate blow came with the destruction of the temple around 70 AD, which scattered them abroad and upturned their way of life. And this is the environment in which Mark's gospel was written, an environment of loss and chaos and doubt about who was in charge and who could be trusted without the lodestar of their temple structure. The people felt lost and distressed, feverish with uncertainty, and in need of raising up and healing, like Simon's mother-in-law, who was raised up and healed of her fever. Israel had already had its share of exile and foreign government in its tumultuous history. And today's reading from Isaiah comes from the time when the Israelites were living in captivity in Babylon around 500 BC, after the destruction of their first temple. In this writing, the prophet of second Isaiah seeks to raise up the downcast people who have all but lost hope. He longs to rekindle the nation's highest ideals and restore their trust in God. And the result is one of the most transcendent passages of spiritual encouragement in all of scripture. Having lived in proximity to the Canaanite religions with their pantheon of pagan gods, the prophet was given a clear idea of all the ways in which Yahweh was not like those Babylonian gods. He had seen and heard how the Babylonian gods, who were violent and conniving and bloodthirsty, They demanded human sacrifices and made slaves out of humanity. But for the prophet, Yahweh was not just the God of a single nation, but God of the entire universe, the creator of all things and the source of all existence. He writes, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth, meaning that God remains outside our human ways of violence and domination that destroy the harmony of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, meaning that we are minuscule compared to the mighty power of God, who with a stomp of the foot could crush so many of them, if that was the way that God really was. Instead, Isaiah says says that God gives power to the weary and strength to the powerless. Unlike the Babylonian gods, whose purpose in creating people was to make people serve them, Yahweh didn't make slaves of his people. On the contrary, he freed them from slavery in Egypt. 
far from enslaving them, God who serves God's people, us grasshoppers, delivers them from bondage in Egypt or exile in Babylon. Ultimate power belongs to God, and it looks nothing like what we mistake for true power. To whom then will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. The timeless message about God that Isaiah delivers to the exiled people in Babylon is the one that invites them to lift up their eyes and see the one who has created all that is and numbers them and calls them all by name and not one is missing. It is an invitation to wait for the Lord who will renew their strength. And this timeless message of good news about what God is busy doing throughout the creation is the same message Jesus comes to embody and to spread throughout the towns and cities of Capernaum and beyond. God is raising the world to life again, and Jesus is on the move to demonstrate this. He's in and out of synagogues and homes, proclaiming good news, going village to village, from city to mountain to seaside proclaiming this message and teaching and healing and casting out demons who would seek to derail him from his mission. Jesus is in Capernaum for all of 24 hours and already his reputation has preceded him there. Imagine an entire city of people gathered at the door of the house where Jesus is because they've heard he can heal their sicknesses and alleviate their pain. Inside the house, Although it was a violation of the Sabbath day to do the work of healing, Jesus takes Simon's mother-in-law by the hand and raises her up. Note the language of resurrection. And he takes away her fever. I can't think of a more salient condition than fever for Jesus to be taking on. The whole world then, as now, is feverish with pain and with sufferings of every kind whether physical or spiritual, mental or societal. I hardly have to mention how beleaguering the world's news headlines have become for so many of us. Many people are literally feverish with worry over what's happening in Ukraine and Israel and Gaza and with our own country's uncertain political future. If these are not enough to give you fever, There's the unrelenting human harm being done to the ecosystems of our planet home. Or fill in the blank with whatever ties your stomach in knots the most. And yet, as Annie Dillard writes, there were no formerly heroic times, and there was no formerly heroic generation who knew God personally once upon a time, but it is too late for us. No, she says, in fact, the absolute is available to us to everyone in every age. There was never an age more holy than ours, and never a less. So rather than dwell in the exile of our feverish worry and paralyzing hopelessness, we can instead do as the prophet instructed the exiles in Babylon, lift up our eyes to see the Holy One who can renew our strength. We can do as Simon's mother-in-law did, and take the hand of the Holy One who can raise us up and out of our fevers that keep us from getting back to the business of loving and serving the world as a people confident in the God of the universe, who made all things and continues to make all things new. 
Because if we choose to remain in our feverish states of anxiety, instead of lifting up our eyes to a higher hope, we are of no use to anyone. Everywhere Jesus went, the needs were tremendous. He did not despair. Instead, he remained on the move, pausing consistently to pray, to lift up his own eyes to the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And this is how Jesus renewed his own strength and mounted up with wings like eagles. Just as the absolute was available to Isaiah and to the beleaguered exiles of his age, it was available to first century people living under Roman occupation, and it is available to us in our age too. But it takes an ironclad resolve to keep our eyes fixed on the Holy One who sits above the circle of the earth in spite of all the reasons that we could look elsewhere. And when we do fix our gaze on God, we begin to see all the ways in which God's outstretched hand is there to raise us up and heal our fevered bodies, minds, and spirits. That healing hand is present in every kind word and deed, in every kind act of beauty, in every way in which we show up for each other with encouragement and kindness. Most of you know Lynn Donahue. Among other things, Lynn is our uh, gracious and ever-present head usher and volunteers in our office three days a week. And she passed along to the clergy this week the New York Times article from two weeks ago about training ourselves to show up for one another in ways that acknowledge each other's pain and help bear one another's hardships. And in her accompanying note, Lynn said something I could immediately relate to. She said, it's a constant struggle to feel kindness and acceptance toward everyone. But our country is in an ugly place and the world is a mess, so it seems worth it to me to keep trying in small ways. And this is what it means to let God raise us up daily and bring us out of our fevers of despair so we can keep trying in small ways to show kindness and acceptance to our fellow human beings. Small things done many times by many people begins to add up to big changes. So let us lift up our eyes to the Holy One, wait on the Lord, and renew our strength. May God heal us from our feverish states of worry and anxiety. May we be raised up by our hands to serve the world in God's ways that give power to the weary and strength to the powerless, not forgetting to continually stop and pray like Jesus did. In all these things, may we run and not grow weary. May we walk and not faint. Amen. You can find more sermons on our website, www.stmarksnewcanaan.org.